0: will be Genesis chapter 42 and verse number 36. While you're turning there, just an announcement for you um, parents that have young people, there is going to be a, uh, we're going to a youth rally this Friday, uh, leaving the church at 11 o'clock, returning at nine. Your young person knows about it. There is no charge. It's at Sheridan Baptist Church, and we'll be leaving at 11, returning at nine. I encourage you to encourage your young person To be at that uh, youth rally. We'll be leaving the church again at 11 o'clock, and there there is no charge. Meals are provided for them. Genesis chapter 42 and verse number 36. There's a Bible there in front of you in the chair back, or it will also appear on the screen. For those of you who are able to stand at this time for the reading of God's word, Genesis chapter 42 and verse 36. The Bible says, And Jacob their father said unto them, me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to have to hear your word preached. I thank you for our pastor. I pray you just use him now. You can be seated.
1: so heavenly minded that somehow we've been blinded to what he's calling us to do right here could it be that heaven's always it that we leave here empty handed when this life disappears but is it I wanna
2: Thank you. All right, that's a, that's a good reminder for us. And uh, they sung that last Sunday evening, but I, I think we had a little bit of a mic issues, so I asked them to sing it this morning, um, and I'm grateful they did. Well, that's a, that's a good thought. I, I don't want to leave with regrets. I want to leave with nothing left because you and I are taking nothing nothing with us nobody heard that so don't worry about it you know it's, it's it's always amazing isn't it but that's how we feel sometimes you know we we look at our lives and we're we're saving and banking and hoping for um to have so much left i ran track and cross country when i was in high school i wasn't very good but i loved to run we had some really good runners on our team but I remember our our cross country coach, and uh, he would always tell us, "If you have a lot left in the tank at the end of the race," he said, "then you have wasted your race." And I I don't know if you've if you've ever run anybody in here ever run distances. You know what I'm talking about, okay? And I I don't mean couch to fridge. <coughs> All right, that's that's not what I'm talking about. So those of you. It's some of you you know that, but pastor, that is a struggle <laughs> that's why we have children, you know, so they can they can get it for you but i i, I remember thinking that you know um and uh you know we my my girls and i will will run some together, and uh Rebecca's doing this uh this thing where she's she's trying to pace to, her distance gets longer and longer each day. And I I would uh, I would say to her as we're running, I'd say, are you okay? And yeah, I'm good. And I'd tell her, I said, now, if you've got anything left at the end, you, you can go farther and and faster than you think you can. And uh, so we were running the other day through our neighborhood, and uh, she's behind me. And then, of course, when, when she knows how much time is left on our run, then she passes me, because I guess it just means that much to her. If she can be 10 yards in front of me. So, she just sprints right then. But uh, um, And I don't take it personal. But I, I, th- I think when it comes to living our lives, we, we keep hoping and hanging on. But really, when you and I get to the end of our days, we don't want anything left. We want to have used everything we have, every time, talent, and treasure that God gave us And uh, that song is a good reminder of it. Last week, we started this message. (laughs) And I had three people tell me after the service that I left them hanging because we talked about Job's bad day. And we didn't get beyond that. But everybody has a bad day. And so the passage that Andy led us in reading (laughs) was from Jacob. Jacob had lost Joseph. And I'm not minimizing it. By the way, his loss was temporary. And by the way, every loss you and I have is temporary. It always is. It's, it always is. But nonetheless, and so his, the entirety of his life is wrapped around this statement, Joseph is not, Joseph is not, Joseph is not. And he can't, he can't get past it. And he makes the statement, which is so introspective and reflective, when he says, all these things are against me in Genesis chapter number 42. And he says, man, he says, everything is against me right now, but nothing could be further from the truth. Because everything that God was doing in his life, his son Joseph wisely said at the end and the close of the book of Genesis, he said, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. What a difference between Jacob and Joseph. And now we find Job who gives us the insight into what had to be arguably the, the worst day that anybody who's ever lived could have had. I don't think anybody, I, I, I can't imagine a day worse than Job had. I'm sure somebody, I and I'm not thinking of any, but I, I've my wife and I often read and swap books and I've read some horrific things and tragic things and things in history and uh, unbelievable stories. But Job's is unique. And one day, one right after another, Job loses everything, all of his possessions. You get into the next passage of Scripture, the devil says, yeah, but let me get after him. And I'm paraphrasing here for sake of time. And he says, he fears you for not." He said, "Uh, what will a man give for his life? And he says, okay. He says, you you can have Adam. You can afflict him. You can torment him. He said, but you can't take his life. And so at that moment, Job not only has lost his possessions, not only has lost all of his wealth, his livestock, his children, 10 children, perish in a a terrible storm that collapses the, the structure in which they're living. And Then from the sole of his feet to the crown of his brow, he's covered with terrible, loathsome sores, and they're secreting a terrible, painful fluid, and it's just, just awful. And he's sitting here. He's stripped himself, and he puts on nothing but sackcloth and ashes, and he sits here and scrapes those terrible sores. That's Job. That's his day. Now, the next time you and I think about a a bad day, I I believe with all of my heart that one of the reasons, and I can't begin to know the mind of God, but I believe with all of my heart, one of the reasons he put Job in there was, here's the guy. You look at this guy. Because the moment you think, but yeah, but pastor, you don't know what happened to me. No, I don't, but look at this guy. Because God set him apart and put him up there. So, the title of the message is simply don't lose it when you lose it. We're going to jump right in and, and get into the heart of it this morning. Lord, help now, please. We ask you to guide and direct our words and our thoughts. And Lord, when we say help now, please, it is a petition. It is a request, not a demand. What are we to even ask? We think of the psalmist who said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? But Lord, you knew that every one of these people were going to be here today. You knew that every one of us, we're going to show up with whatever condition our hearts are in, whatever weight rests upon our shoulders, whatever troublings are brewing in our minds, whatever unrest there lies within our spirit. But God, they came today. And Lord, I'd ask you to speak to each and every person here. There is no one that is capable of reaching the heart of man but you. And, Lord, we know that there is a work that you long to do. Lord, if there's one here that's lost, would you save them? But I believe, Lord, there's probably many here that are struggling. And, God, would you just help today? We ask that your will be accomplished in our midst. Speak to us as only you can. Again, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Don't lose it when you lose it. Jacob did. Job didn't. The first thing we notice about Job was he lost his wealth. One after another, the Sabeans fell upon and and took his oxen, sheep, camels, servants, and so forth. Then he lost his loved ones. We talked about that with his children. I can't imagine it, and I'm not trying to skip over it because I just can't imagine it. I have preached the funerals for numbers of children over the years. Uh, We were at one on Friday for one of our bus riders, Arvin, who passed away uh, just over two weeks ago, right about two weeks ago. My wife played the piano, Damian sang, and those are tough ones. He was 15 years old. I, I can't imagine what it's like to lose a child. I I, I can't. Some of you have. I, I can't imagine. Job lost 10 in one day. He lost his wealth. He lost his loved ones. The third thing we noticed was he lost his health. It's gone. You know, it's one thing we, we try to hang on to, and we Try to do everything we can to ensure that we're going to be around. That's why we. I enjoy running, but I enjoy the benefits of running probably now more than I do the actual running. Though I I do enjoy it, but but I run more now so that I can eat little Debbie cakes. <laughs> um, and if you didn't get one last week, I'm sorry. We're all out. But I but I but I do those things, and I I try to eat fairly well and, and, and try to do some little bit of exercise. But I know at the end of the day, you know, my, my health will go. It goes in various stages, sometimes sooner. Sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's our strength and our faculties stop working. And sometimes it's, you know, our eyes go and we start wearing, uh, wearing glasses. And then we have to update our prescriptions uh, because our arms aren't long enough. And then um, we realize it's tough to even put on a pair of socks in the morning and all things are hurting and muscles hurting you didn't even know you had because our health goes. Sometimes you'll get bad news from a doctor and you'll hope uh, it's cared for and hope that uh, things go well. But Job lost his wealth, he lost his loved ones, he lost his health. And then the fourth thing, which is new for us this morning... Notice, if you would, on the screen there in front of you in Job chapter number two and verse number 13, so they sat down, these are his three friends, so they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. By the way, if you don't know what to say, don't say anything. It's not, it's not the message, it's not in the notes, but truthfully, if you're not sure what to say when someone's going through a tough time, then usually you don't have the words, Sometimes it's, and by the way, I think it's within the heart of man for, for the most part. And I know that what the Bible says about the heart. It's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But I think it's within the heart of man to try to want to offer something. But these guys were wise enough to not say anything for seven days. Now, when they open their mouths, they're going to be, they're going to be wrong in their assessment of the situation anyway. But sometimes if you see someone who's going through a difficult time and you think, I've got just what they need, you may not have what they need. Sometimes it's simply best to say, I'm so sorry. Sometimes it's just the comfort of knowing, I'm praying for you. Sometimes it's just a note, I'm thinking of you. Because many times when we don't know what to say, we just butcher it. In this particular case, that's what happened with Job. Job chapter 4 tells us Eliphaz, the Timonite, answered and said, and notice this in these eight verses if we essay to commune with thee, will thou be grieved? Verse, verse number 1 then Eliphaz, the Timonite, answered and said, if we essay to commune with thee, will thou be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? Here's Job, he's in an ash heap nothing but sackcloth and ashes covered in boils. For seven days, they sit with him and say nothing. Here's what Eliphaz says first. He says, but who can withhold himself from speaking? I've got to say something. Behold, thou hast instructed many. Thou hast strengthened the weak hand. So he begins by bragging upon Job. He says, you've done such a good job instructing people and you've helped a lot of people. Thy words have upholden him that, that was falling. And thou hast strengthened the feeble needs. But now it's your turn. But now it has come upon thee, and thou faintest. It toucheth thee, and thou art troubled. These are tough words from a friend. Is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and the uprightness of thy ways? Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished, being innocent, where were the righteous cut off? Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and so wickedness reap the same. In other words, he's saying, you comforted people for so long and now you're in the midst of it. He said, now what? You've instructed people. You've strengthened them in their weak times. In other words, let me say it this way. You've helped people in their mess, but what are you going to do when it's happening to you? These are not the words that he's expecting to hear from a friend, but that's how he says it. He says, this is not happening by accident. In other words, God's doing something to you. This is a result of God's hand upon you. And nothing could have been further from the truth. In fact, God set apart Job by saying, there's nobody like him, one that feared God and excused evil. He said, and here is Job, and so you go ahead and have your hand at him. But when everybody is observing what's happening in Job's life, they say, you're not innocent. I tell you why this is happening. The fact is, they have no idea. And so what does Job say to them? I've heard many such things. They each speak long, long speeches, chapters of rebuke, chapters of criticism, chapters of, of letting Job know what they think and what their opinion is on the situation. And Job has this to say to them. I've heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. You see, because even Job, who lost all of his health, all of his wealth, lost his loved ones, one of the hardest things for him was losing the company of his friends and enduring the criticism that came with it. Because most of the time, people do not know what you're going through. And I will say this, people never know why you're going through it. Nobody. I don't know what you're facing right now, but I can tell you this, I don't know why. I'm going to tell you that straight up. Sometimes people say, why? But By the way, the greatest that ever lived, the Son of God robed in flesh, asked the question, my God, my God, why? And so when you're up against it and you're trying to figure out, I, I've lost this and I, I've lost this and I can't believe this has happened and, and you, you're, you're tempted to do as Jacob did, all of these things are against me. Your wealth is gone. Your health is gone. Your, your, your children have perished, and you've got nothing but God. By the way, if that's you, you've got enough. But his friends come, and they begin to rebuke and criticize, and these are good men. They mean well, but they don't know what they're talking about. And he says, I've heard such things. Miserable comforters are you all. Let me say this about Job. He didn't know what God was doing, but he knew God was doing. I can tell you this. I don't know exactly what's happening, but I know that God is always working on behalf of his children. I know that. I There's, there's no question about that at all. I, I've told part of this story I know numerous times, but I remember right after Rebecca, our youngest, when she was diagnosed with cancer and the doctors... Uh, um, Basically, opened her up and closed her back up and said she... W- they came and told my wife and I. We were in the consult room. They, she'd been in surgery for about two hours. The surgeon came in. He spoke to me and my wife, and he said she would not have survived the surgery. Uh, it, was, it was too involved, and we could not remove the tumor. It was wrapped around the vena cava, the artery going into the liver, and she, he said she would not have survived. And when he said that, you know, I... I my wife grew very weak, and I, I remember catching her. I remember all of this, just, and I, my mind's racing. I'm thinking, well, my first thought is, God, what are you doing? That's my first thought. My first thought is, why are you doing this? What are you doing, and why us? And everybody that goes through anything, whatever your thing is, whatever it is, whatever it is right now, whatever it was in the past, or whatever it is yet to come, because the message is not always for the moment. Sometimes it's for what you've been through, and sometimes it's for what you're yet to face. But I And I remember thinking, man, what are you doing here? And she was uh, brought back out into recovery and then taken to a room. And I remember her crib was uh, one of these still such a foreboding crib with all these tubes going into it. And, and uh, on one of those uh, days, they allowed her, Tony, rolled Rebecca out onto an overlook that overlooked the city of Cincinnati, downtown Cincinnati. This was at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. My wife was sitting there just trying to trying to rock her back and forth and she had tubes in her chest and she was on meds and all kinds of things. And and I was on the other side of this overlook and I was I was trying to get an answer from God. Really. I really wanted him to say something to me. And you know sometimes you'll you'll take anything from God. And I remember Asking God why, asking God what, and not being satisfied with any kind of answer at all. And I remember walking over to my wife, and my wife sitting there, tears running down her face, and I knelt down in front of her on the ground. I put my hands in her lap, and I, I said, she said, tears running down her face, she said, don't tell me anything unless it's good news. And, you know, that's where you are sometimes in life. You're at the place where I, I don't. I don't care. I don't want to hear anything unless it's good news. I, I've got enough junk. I've got enough stuff. I got enough burdens. I got enough hurts. I got. A, I got enough wounds. But you have to know this. And I simply looked up at her and I. I said, "Honey, I don't know what's going to happen." And I, you know, I, can I be honest with you? On that day, I had this much faith, but I had some. You know, I. I I wish I could say I was, I, it was oozing out of me, but it really wasn't. Man, I was filled with doubt. I was filled with wonder. I was filled with questions. I was filled with angst. And I, re- I remember telling her, I said, honey, I don't know what God is doing. And I remember saying, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Because doctors have already told us. In fact, one doctor specifically asked us, he said, put her into a clinical trial because she's not likely to survive. He said, the knowledge that we gain from her treatments will help others possibly survive down the road. And when a doctor tells you that about your child, your first reaction is you want to hit him. I, I'm being very honest. I, you know, my wife, when he's saying that to her, he's just talking so matter-of-fact, and she's just sobbing. I would say, are you kidding me, man? This is <laughs> You tell us to throw in the towel? You, you, you just... <laughs> I said, no, 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 that's not, <laughs> you know, it's, that's not how we're operating here. We're not talking about trading in a car. This is our daughter. And he said, well, I'm just saying. He said, I, I, I'd like to experiment with something because I, th- I think it will help. And they were doing some test studies, and we finally said, no, forget it. We're not going to do that. But I had that much faith that day, but I knew God was working. And I told her, I said, I don't know what God is doing, but I know that he is doing And I told her this, everything's going to be okay. I also knew that meant that she might not survive. But even if that would have been the case, God would have still been good. You see, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking God's good because everything's great. And I've got money in my wallet. My kids are healthy and everything's good. I've got my job and I've got my retirement and I'm going on vacation. I've got this plan. Our car is running. bills are paid. And God's good. No, 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 no. God's good when you've got nothing. God's good when you don't know where your next meal is coming from. And by the way, can I just say this? Sometimes it's good to go through those seasons of life when you don't know where the next meal is coming from. Because the fact of the matter is, in America, we are so spoiled, rotten, that it's tough for us to ever sing living by faith because so few of us have ever done it. But Job is at the very edge, the very end. He's despairing of life. In fact, he's getting ready to say, it was a terrible day when I was born. It would have been better for me had I never lived. So he's about to lose it. He's that close from what we might say is walking away. He's that close from hanging it up. He's that close from, I'm never going to pray again because it doesn't matter if I do. He's that close from, I'm not going to church anymore because I've been and I've still got junk in my life. I'm not even going to tithe. I'm not going to put money in the offering plate. I'm going to spend it on myself. You know why? Because I've tried that Christianity and it didn't work for me. People make those statements when they get to the Jacob and Job moment and they turn Jacob's direction. All these things are against me, but not Job. He didn't know what God was doing, but he knew that God was doing. I want to show you a couple verses very, very quickly. The Lord said unto Satan, we've already read this, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Notice Job 1.22, And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. What did Job do? He recognized that God was working on his behalf. It's been said this way, and I, I like the way it's expressed. When you're down to nothing, God is up to something. You know, David said it was good for me that I was afflicted. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of this, but I, but I can tell you that there, some of the early days in our ministry and in our life were when we weren't sure where supper was coming, we knew it was coming. But, you know, today we're trying to figure out which restaurant we're going to choose. I mean, we go to the grocery store with liberality and ease. We, don't, we typically don't even worry about those things. But Job is here, and he's lost everything, and he says, I'm not going to blame God I'm not going to charge him foolishly because it would be a foolish thing to look at my life and say, why don't I have what he has? Why don't I have what she has? Why has God dealt with me thusly? But Job doesn't do that. You know why? Because the Word of God says it's a fool's game. Notice further Job 2.10, but he said unto her, his wife rebuked him, she said, curse God and die. He said, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? Shall we not receive evil? In all this did did not Job sin with his lips. Let me tell you, the first thing Job did was he kept his faith. He kept his faith. We sing a song, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded, Paul wrote it, that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against this day. You know what Job says? He, th- this is so amazing because he's lost all of that. And then he gets to this place in chapter number 13. After he's heard his three friends who've rebuked him so sternly and he's told them, you are miserable comforters. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. What is he saying? I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing just because things aren't going my way. You see what happens, and I, use this, I I mentioned this phrase several months ago. In fact, it might have even been last year. Sometimes when things aren't going like you want them to, you, you put God on trial. We do. We have a, it's like we enter into a courtroom in our life, and God's over here sitting on the witness chair, and we ask him to lift his hand, promise, to tell the truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth, and then we put him on trial, and we, start, we begin to grill him. How come I didn't get that job? How can I get that? How, Why didn't I get that raise? Why didn't I have that promotion? How come? How come I lost this? And we, and we start grilling God, like all we're supposed, all we're supposed to get from God is blessings. But as a child, there were times when my dad, mom always saw that I was fed. But they didn't mind to make my bottom red. So poetic. They really didn't. Did they love me less? Did they prove they didn't love me? Oh, you're only supposed to give me money when I need it for a youth activity and food when I'm hungry and clothes when I need them for school, and you've got to buy me all the latest and the best because I want to look cool and fit in. And so we put our parents on the stage, and we begin to grill them because they didn't do what we thought they should do. We do it to our spouses. We do it to our coworkers. We do it to our friends. And the worst thing we can possibly do is we do it to God. There's nobody here today that has absolutely everything you thought you were going to get in life. And there's no one here of any age who has gone through life untroubled, unfettered, and unharmed. And Job is the one that God says, look at him, because he never stopped trusting God. Let let me say this, whatever you're facing right now, I don't have the why to answer. I can't even tell you the what God is doing. But I can tell you this, don't stop trusting him. Job said, in fact, I'll tell you how far I'll push this envelope. Job, you've lost your children. I know. I still trust him. Job, you've lost your health. I know. My, My body is wrecked. I still trust him. You've lost the affection of your friends, and you've lost the, uh, your possessions. You're a broke man and a broken man. In fact, Job, you've got nothing left but the breath in your lungs. That's all you got left. And Job says this, and I'll tell you what. Even if he decides to take that, I will take my last breath trusting him. Where are you at today? Are you wondering what he's doing? Are you frustrated he's doing? Are you disappointed in how he's doing? You're not alone. I guarantee you Joe wasn't pleased. It doesn't say, man, that was awesome. But he looked back later in life, and we'll get to that. And he realized God was doing this because there was something far bigger at stake than I could ever imagine. But I'm going to tell you this, and this is all we have time for this morning. Whoever you are, know this when you leave today. Don't you dare stop trusting him. Don't do it. Don't do it. You say, yeah, but things have gone against me. I don't care. Don't stop trusting him. Yeah, but this didn't turn out like I thought it would. It doesn't matter. You, You keep trusting him. One of the greatest reasons for Job's trouble is giving us the window into his life when he went through it, and he makes this statement. God throws it out there for everyone who's ever drawn a breath, though he slay me. He recognizes several things. Number one, God's in charge. He can take my life whenever he wants to. And number two, I won't stop trusting. In fact, I will continue to do what I do in the midst of it. Churches have been depopulated over the years by people who bailed on God because something didn't go their way. Don't let that be me. I don't want to do that. I had a friend of mine message me this week and gave me an encouraging note. He said, 350 pastors resign every Sunday. He's a pastor. 350 pastors resign every Sunday. I, I don't have my resignation up here. This is just an illustration. Don't panic or rejoice, whichever the case may be. I don't know. But he said that, and he said, he said the biggest reason is because they, they burn out. They get depressed. And I'm thinking, not me. It never happened to me. I've, ne- I've been topside all my life. Every day, I, you know, I get up on a Sunday morning, there's something different in the air. It's, are you kidding? I don't do that. In fact, Sundays, I, the clock goes off and I'm thinking, I, I'm usually on Saturday nights, I'm tossing and turning anyway. That Saturday nights are not the most restful night for me. But so I got up early this morning and I was, I was thinking while I was laying there, and then I saw the text, 352 pastors resign every week. You know Why? Because we face the same stuff you face, hurts, wounds, disappointments. And I'm not throwing off on any of them because some of them may be within the will of God and doing something different with their life. I'm not, I'm not questioning that at all. I'm simply saying that each and every person from the platform to the last chair in here faces stuff. And when you do, don't stop trusting Him who is working on your behalf. You trust Him to save you, you got to trust Him to keep you. Job kept his faith by not putting God on trial in his life. Shall we stand? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed very quickly in, in way of invitation, wherever you're at today, whatever you're facing, whatever you have faced, whatever you've yet to face, don't stop trusting. If you're here this morning, you're not sure about eternity. Boy, the greatest decision you'll ever make in this life is trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Nothing else matters beyond that. In fact, if you don't get that settled, nothing else will matter. You must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. Maybe here this morning, you'd say with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, is there someone who would say, I'm not sure that I've trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I can't tell you for sure that I'm going to heaven. Would you lift your hand? I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Is there one like that at all? Is there anyone like that at all? Say, pray for me. I'm not sure about eternity. How many of you would say, uh, Brother Mason, I, I know for sure that heaven's my home. I can tell you the time place. I, I know that there was a day when I personally placed my trust, my faith in Jesus Christ. Would you lift your hand? Lift it up quickly. You can put it right back down. God bless you. Maybe there's someone who would say this morning, you'd say, you know, I, I have gone or I am going through it, and I've questioned it, but God spoke to me today, and I don't want to lose it when I lose it. I want to keep trusting Him. Would you lift your hand just very, very quickly? Put it up. Put it right back down. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Put it up. Put it right back down. And say, I, I don't know why God's done all of this, and I'm not sure I understand it, and I'm not sure it makes sense, not sure I agree with it. But I'm not going to stop trusting. Would you put your hand up very, very quickly? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Many, many hands. In a moment, the piano is going to play, and you'll have an opportunity to respond. But wherever you're at today, God spoke to our hearts because He has something for us. And our prayer this morning is that we don't lose it when we lose it. We just keep trusting. Though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. Lord bless, in the invitation we ask in Jesus' name, amen. While the piano plays, if God spoke into your heart, would you come? You're welcome to pray there at your seat. Maybe you're thinking of someone else that you ought to pray for. You know, they're going through it. God's brought them on your heart. You think, boy, I want to pray for this person. I want to pray for this individual. Would you do that? See I don't I don't know why God is doing what God is doing. Somebody else, several folks at the offer at the altar this morning? Sing the chorus with me. Only trust him, only trust him. Only trust him, only trust him, only trust him now. He will save you, he will save you, he will save you. Now. Well, I hope. Uh, I hope somebody was helped today because I know that's what God wants to do. He wants to remind us, hey, do you trust me? And he said it to Job, and Job came through. And uh, that's what God wants to do for each and every one of us. Boy, thank you for being here. I want to encourage you to uh, be back tonight if you're able. Tonight we'll have some of the young people sharing testimonies from camp, and uh, we'll also uh, continue our series on winning at what matters most. Uh, I know a lot of you folks will be traveling. We've got the closing days of summer, and, but I, I pray you'll be safe as you travel, and thank you for making time to be in the Lord's house, and be faithful, be faithful. I want to encourage you to pick up some tracks. You get an opportunity to give someone a, uh, I was talking, my uh, my daughter and I, were talking to a lady in uh, Oregon City Friday, and and uh, talking to her about our faith, and handed her a gospel track, and. You know, you just never know what a difference you might make in somebody's life. So be be faithful. Be faithful to invite people to church. Thank you so much for being here. And, uh, Robert, why don't you come up and pray as we're dismissed. Remember, the Bible says a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And I hope you're friendly one toward another. If you see somebody you don't know, introduce yourself. Make people feel welcome and let them know. Uh, You're very, very glad they're here. Good to see some of the George Fox students coming back, and um, Antonio, good to see you swinging in just for the weekend and came to see me, of course. Flew all the way from Hawaii just to come see uh, Timberline Baptist Church. No, but seriously, hey, it means a lot to us that you included it in your weekend. So you see these George Fox students, introduce yourself and let them know you're glad they're here, and I appreciate their faithfulness coming to the Lord's house on this Sunday. Robert, dismiss us in prayer, if you would, please. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful to be in your house today, dear Lord, thankful for all that you do for us, dear Lord, as uh, the good times and the bad times, dear Lord, as we look to you. Dear Lord, I pray that you just continue to be with our church, dear Lord, be with us as we go out this afternoon. Dear Lord, bring us back safely tonight, dear Lord. Let us uh, uh, have our hearts prepared for a wonderful message from our pastor, dear Lord. I pray that you would just uh, take care of us,
0: take care of those that are traveling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.